And I, I love that with like short term rentals being like such a new space that, you know, like if you wanted to find someone in a normal industry, you, you know, whatever, go on LinkedIn, on Sales Navigator, see someone's resume. But that's not which that's not the game with short term rentals. Like you're not that's not what you're going to that's not relevant. That's not going to help you find the right talent. It really is like seeing someone's creativity, you know, uh, while short term rentals are real estate, I think that there is a you know big aspect that of just being creative, thinking outside the box. Welcome to the Short Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. We are live with the Short Term Rental Pros Podcast. Today, we are doing our second episode of our TechVestor Trifecta series. Uh, I was joking with Sabrina earlier that this was not planned at all. I did not mean to talk to the, you know, everyone at the team at TechVestor back to back to back. It just, you know, I'm, I happen to be friends with a lot of them and it really just aligned that way. But you guys are in for a treat today because Sabrina is the operational wizard behind, in my opinion, probably the most successful short-term rental fund ever. Uh, I can't think of another one that's that's definitely done what you guys and I feel like I've you know had the opportunity to see what you guys have done and all, everything that you guys have have learned and really uh, through you know talking to John and 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 you know just honestly seeing your damn profile all over the damn place keep popping up on Airbnb. Uh, but Sabrina, you tell you know first of all, thank you so much for coming today and uh, tell us about your background. What what'd you do before short term rentals and how'd you how'd you get into SDRs? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Jeremy and I met a few years ago through TikTok, through mutual friends, colleagues. I don't even remember. And uh, here we are two years later, and we're both still in the business thriving. So I really appreciate you having me on. Um, prior to TechFester, um, my story. So I'm one of the co-founders of TechFester. Seep and I started the business in July 2021. So it's crazy that we're coming up almost on three years now. Um, but I have a project management background. So I used to actually work for Apple. And I was an pro engineering project manager. I focused on uh, building AirPods products. And I really had no foot in, in, in real estate, at least from the operational point of view. I was just a passive investor. I was involved in super typical multifamily deals. And during COVID, when we were going through quarantine and all that chaos, I came to Arizona from San Francisco. My parents lived here. And I looked into buying my own properties, renovating them and being very hands-on. And because of the uncertainty with COVID and me still living in San Francisco and my parents being located in Arizona, I actually thought that the best thing for me was to buy a short-term rental because it allowed, it gave me a lot of flexibility and it allowed me to come and go whenever I pleased and also have a place that kind of felt like home outside of my parents. And so I, I, um, during COVID, I came here on a whim. I started buying properties. I, really immersed myself in a lot of different types of real estate before fully committing to Airbnb. I looked at multifamily. I got my real estate license just to learn like the science of real estate contracts and all that. I hung my license with a commercial brokerage. 
I had hotel listings for sale. I ended up joining a ton of meetup groups, multifamily groups. Like I really, I really looked at all of it and I started asking myself, like, what do what part of real estate do I really enjoy? And I think with my project management background, I've always had like an eye for operations and process and people and building things to scale. That's what I did in my prior role was I built teams to build products. And so design and the tangible things that make real estate incredible have has always been my thing. And so when I started investing in Airbnbs, I always love asking this question. I'll probably ask you this, like, what was your favorite part of the journey? But like when you first buy your first property, you're like, you're researching, you're doing the data, you're underwriting, you know, and then you go through this whole, the whole story up until you list it. And for me, I loved the research part, like amenities and learning what makes a property successful and then the implementation of it and really bringing it to life. You know, the before and afters, the uh, coordination of things. And, and so when I started scaling my own personal portfolio, I actually, I'm not really a social media person. Now I am because I, I feel like I, I'm now sharing my story. But a few years ago, I was never on social media. And I decided while I was working for Apple, TikTok was kind of a new thing. Like we're like in 2020, everyone thinks TikTok's about dance stories and teenagers. And I was like, I'm going to start talking about real estate on here and get real-time feedback as to what other people were feeling about, you know, Airbnb and, and that market. And one of my, my videos actually went viral. And um, that was the time when like on TikTok, you could go viral easily. <laughs> and I ended up meeting my business partner, Seif, um, the other co-founder of, of the business. And we, we both did had very similar TikTok. Did he, did he reach out to you because he saw your TikTok? So yeah. So on TikTok, I, oh, had, I didn't like, know that that's news to me. Oh, cool. Yeah. I had like a little website, like just showing people that I was doing design and stuff for Airbnb. The funny thing is, is that Seif and I ran through the same circles because he worked at Facebook. And so, and he lived in Silicon Valley and, and in and out of LA. And so him and I eventually would have, like, it wasn't completely out of the box for us to have met in, in within our circles, but we met through TikTok. Um, and, and so that's honestly how the business was born. Just two people who had similar visions, had similar tech backgrounds. And uh, we technically met on TikTok and here we are today. Yeah, I love that. Wow. I feel like did Seif reach out to to you initially? On my little website with my contact yep. information. Yep. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Cause yeah, I feel like Seif, it's actually funny. I'm like putting these pieces together on uh, I you know I've been talking to you and various team members over the years. And Seif reached out to me at one point. So it seems like yeah, Seif's a big uh see a video on TikTok and and reach out to the person because uh, you know, Taylor was on Twitter. For example, uh, John was on YouTube. He's hearing that you were posting TikToks. I'm, I mean, seeing, so yeah. a, I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> see, see reaching out to people he sees posting online. To give uh, see some credit. Um, he he built a great team. A, but, you know. Well, he has a recruiting background. That's what he did for, uh, for okay. So I think he's just like known to find good people and put put people together. But... But yeah, that's how the business started. And I, I and love so that with like short-term rentals being like such a new space. 
that, you know, like if you wanted to find someone in a normal industry, you, you know, whatever, go on LinkedIn, on Sales Navigator, see someone's resume. But that's not which that's not the game with short term rentals. Like you're not that's not what you're going to that's not relevant. That's not going to help you find the right talent. It really is like seeing someone's creativity, you know, uh, while short term rentals are real estate. I think that there is a you know big aspect that of just being creative, thinking outside the box. And I want to lean that into your current roles and responsibilities. So TechVestor, you guys started, you and Steve came together. You guys started raising money. To, yeah, what was the process? You buy your own short-term rental, start posting about it. And then when Steve hits you up, what was like, what was the, the vision there? We both knew that we wanted to do something at scale. I think I think we we had a similar vision doing, you know, being able to create long-term wealth for ourselves. But the question was how and what was the best plan for that. And honestly, we didn't know at the time. I mean, Airbnb is still pretty new. I don't know if it's even technically considered an official asset class, but at the time it definitely wasn't. Like it was just something that people were not buying multiples of. And so originally when we got, when we started the business, we were like, okay, let's just do a few projects to see where we can land in terms of scalability. So we bought, I think, seven or eight properties um, that we did JV type deals with coworkers and people that we had from our tech backgrounds. And all of them were really curious about what each other, like what markets they were all investing in. we weren't doing the same thing for each person because we were just focused on like the best deal possible for whatever partnership we were getting into. And because they were so curious about each other, we offered the idea of a fund like, okay, well, we can just put everything in here and you guys can just benefit from it, you know, from a blended perspective. And all of them, except for one person, they were super down for it. And so we officially said that we were going to launch a fund. And then that's actually when we raised a lot of capital in a short period of time. I think we raised like seven or 8 million. I don't remember the exact number, but something in like two to three weeks. And him and I looked at each other and we were like, oh my God, like this is at this point, from this point on, we have to split roles. (laughs) So like he had to focus on capital and like nurturing our investors and that whole process. It was like, we launched the fund in like October or September, something in, in that year, 2021 we were like coming up on taxis and there were just so many things that needed to happen. And so our roles pretty much split. And so I focused on operations, which I had a background in, which basically means any, any property after we got the keys, I pretty much owned that all the way through listing it on Airbnb. And so right now, um, my focus is, uh, property management. So we have a pretty, we have a pretty big team now. We have about 40 people that work for, for us strictly for property management, which is incredible, both, both on the ground and, um, you know, online support. And then we have a operations team, a lot of project managers, also people on the ground who support our homes, construction, renovation, designers, stagers. Um, and I also, you know, help manage that process alongside the team. And then, Honestly, any process or any new part of business that we're in, because I have that operations hat, I'm also involved in. So, and that's what I've really focused on the last two years, just because of how things kind of fell. Bookkeeping? Who who did the who did did the booking bookkeeping early on? Track tracking 125 houses and 
all these different locations and cleaners and vendors. <laughs> Sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> Have, we have an well, so that was back then. So now we have an incredible yeah. leadership team. It's not just Steve and I anymore. We have we have quite yeah. the quite the leadership team, and we have Corbin who does our finance. We have Austin who leads revenue management. We have head of data. I mean, we definitely I and Steve and I say this, and I could I wish I could like put it behind me on a plaque. There is absolutely no way that we could have ever done this without a team. Like, there's no totally. way. It's just it's it is it takes an army to get things done. And to be honest with you, it takes an army to get things done, but it gets better at scale. So like in the beginning, it was to get from zero. I always tell people this. I'm like, your challenges from zero to 10 short-term rental properties, not a problem. 10 to 30, you're like, okay, I need, you know, like it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like you learn a lot in that time period and you definitely make the most mistakes. Once you go from that, like 30 to 60, something jumps in that in that, you know, when, when that progresses, where a lot of things start to break. Um, I always joke around with people. I'm like, I put things in threes. Like if you give a designer three homes, at some point they crack, right? There's a number, there's a threshold for each person because it's it's labor intensive. It's not, yeah. you know, write a script and copy and paste. It's, it's it, people have bandwidth, they have lives, people get sick, people have families. And so- Figuring that out so that our portfolio doesn't get hurt from it, you know, and and continuing to scale was a really delicate balance. And I'm really grateful that we figured it out and, and made it work. Yeah, I'm so curious to learn from your experiences there. I mean, so yeah, personally, I think I'm at 25 listings. I haven't bought all of them. Some of them I just manage. Some of them are you know, rent and re-rent, which doesn't require as intensive of an upfront transformation. But like the ones that I do set up, like I'm currently, I have a flight tomorrow, setting up a 4,000 square foot house, seven bedrooms, movie theater, two game rooms. Like granted, I'm saying this, even though I haven't actually been there since signing to close the documents. I'm like, oh, wow, it's been so intensive, but like I haven't actually been there. Uh, so how intensive could it be if I literally just you know, been kind of like tracking orders on my phone and stuff. But that being said, like multiply that by 125 or how many, how many properties have, have y'all done? And let's just say like 2023, 2022, how many properties you guys do? I think we're at 140 now, somewhere Damn, around. So that's like, that's launching a property every like four days, you know, like posting a new property live every, you know, every week. Uh, if, well, if even like once or, or two a week, that's crazy. That's insane. That's something that like really nobody else. And I would say maybe some people, yeah, arbitrage, like, sure, you can, you know, get 30 apartments in a building. You could furnish 30 apartments. I don't know, maybe in like five or six days, if you're, if you're, uh, you hire enough labor and your orders, you know, don't have issues on returns and whatnot, but like setting up 130, 150 houses in two years, and you guys like, you don't just, you know, again, it's not just like slapping furniture inside. Like you guys renovate them. You don't just design them. You know, you, every wall gets painted or wallpapered. Uh, you guys add, you know, pickleball courts to the house. Like these are like, it's not, and it's not even like if you just renovated a house, you know, whatever. I just, you just renovate a bathroom. Like that's not that like taxing, but you guys do like, 17 times that you know you take it to the next level so how do you just like how the hell do you do that like uh, i mean i have so many questions here but 
I guess walk me through the 101. Like you guys find, I guess you do thing in threes. So you find three properties to buy. What do you do from there? How does this, how does this process work, look like? It's so funny because it's, I, I, when you average them out, you're like, yeah, two, three properties, like a week for year. It's, it's been so inconsistent with our launches. Like, well, one month we launched like 17 homes in a week. And then like our property management team is like, what the hell? <laughs> like, you know, we have to Too pay many attention. pictures. <laughs> not only pictures, like, you know, we take videos of our hot tubs and how we, to turn them on because they're not all the same. And, our, you know, there's yeah. so many details when you list a home. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Again, it goes back to team. Our team is very structured that everyone has their role and they know what they're supposed to be doing. And so when a home comes into our pipeline, a few weeks before we even get the keys to that, we know exactly what design we're doing. We've already talked to design. We know what amenities are going in. We have contractors that walk the grounds that have our best interests with pricing and all of that that say, hey, this is what you're looking like. And based on what you want to do, this is this is when we can start. And by the time we close on a property, we have a project manager assigned to the team. We have a designer assigned to the team. We have contractors and like the the... All of the people that focus on like getting utilities set up, the Wi-Fi, the rings, all of the surveillance cameras, that stuff is super important to us. I, I will say there are three different parts of operations that I look at, and it's the beginning part, so it's before you buy. It's right when you buy, like what are you doing to actually start the second that you close? There's the middle part that's kind of messy where the renovation's done and you're now starting the furniture and that piece is usually pretty gnarly because you have the supplies and things don't get in and and you're like trying to make you're trying to make shift of all these last minute things that you know you really no control over right like inflation supply demand all these different things getting delayed that was like a very 2021 thing that we faced with and then the last part is like onboarding the property and really making sure that the home is to a certain quality to like at least for what our guests expect right or what what we host the house and the listing pictures and all that. We want to make sure that people have a good experience. And so when I look at those three, four stages of operations, every single person holds themselves to a certain standard of excellence on, on the team to make sure that, you know, like I'll give you a rule that we have in, in the company. We, a contractor will never start later than 40 day, 48 hours after we get the keys. They will never start later than that. They start immediately after they know when to show up. Everyone's prepared. If they don't show up, it's because someone got sick or we have bad weather. But I can tell you that we've like held ourselves to that standard where when we close, someone shows up, a ring's installed, the utilities are turned on. And I think having that meticulous timeline is what has allowed us to have launch timeframes anywhere between eight to 14 weeks. I know that sounds like a long time. That range for really heavy construction projects, like pouring concrete, relining pools, adding bedrooms, bathrooms, like those are still pretty aggressive timelines. And then well, installing- you're doing so many at the same time. And then you're also yeah. dealing with, you know, I'm sure for every thousand square feet of a house, you get a certain- you can assume that like X number of furniture items are going to come damaged or artworks or stuff like that. So then you have to deal with, I mean, even like dealing with returns. How do you do that? Like, let's say, I mean, this house that I just set up, like, I don't know, I think like 
two of the art pieces came cracked. Uh, the, I think one of the bed frames came without like hardware. Like, how do you deal with like returns and refunds and making sure that you like have everything you need at the properties there when you're not actually going to go there yourself? It happens to us all the time. Um, we have like on the ground stagers that can handle the returns later and we will go somewhere local and like swap out things. You just drop um, them off. Yeah. And we swap, we go to like home goods or we, we swap things out the best that we can. We've had, we've had so many learning curves in the business where like we designed something and it looks emptier than what we imagined it to be. So we needed someone to go and like rush and buy things to fill it in and prompt do. And so all of these like, all these learning curves now allowed us to like have an operational team or, you know, again, we have all these timeframes, like no longer than 48 hours, a contractor can't like be delayed to start. Or for example, um, we have like a thousand point, it's lit. I think it's 1200. It's 1200 check individual checklist items for a person on the ground to go through our home and make sure that everything is to that standard. And if it's not to that standard, we can't list the home. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> that is yeah. like what I do, like make sure we have forks, like make sure we have cups, like toiletries. Is that kind of what we're like looking at? Or is it like how nitty gritty is this checklist? That's just like maybe 400 parts of the checklist. The other parts are like, um, I'm trying to think, you know, does the door latch in the, in the back work for the patio door and does every string light bulb work? And, uh, you know, for the, for the seating outside and, um, how many extra basketballs do we have in the supply closet in case one pops? And it's, it's a thousand check. It's 1200 checkpoints because it allows us to buy some runway so that when, when we're managing the property actively over the next like six months, we did enough inventory to buy us some time. Before before issues start happening. Correct. And so Yeah. And there's so many little things that are not perfect in that week, in that week period, like right before, just when the project manager thinks everything is like fantastic, that checklist will come back and like a hundred things are not what they wanted it to be. And so that back and forth is also crazy because you see, I, I mean, I feel like the business of Airbnb is like moving mountains. You know, that's really what it is. Like you get, you, you go to a property, it's not what you expect. Like, this is like me speaking, like, um, when you're in that last stretch of design, when you thought you weren't, nothing was going to get broken, a mirror didn't fit the wall the way that like you thought it would, right? And you're scrambling. And so I think that that was the hardest piece to nail down because you have so you, you want to be cost efficient. Like you don't want to just waste resources or, for, or furniture or things, spend money on things that, that you shouldn't be spending money on, first of all. But also you want to be like cognizant of time. And so... I think we've done a really good job of ironing those things out on our back end and making enough rules and process and literal like, like how to books that our team gets trained on before they start. Yeah, you guys create the standard operating procedures and all the logistical how to's in order to move these mountains literally and well, figuratively and but in some cases maybe literally so okay so this so this all makes sense so i guess my question or what i want to dive into so we set up the properties you have your designer you have your project manager you have the furniture assemblers you have contractors then you do this 1200 point checklist um 
let's just say the checklist comes back good, or maybe it took, you know, uh, we, we missed 100 things, but then you get them all taken care of. What's the process look like from there? Then we have our team that basically looks at the photographs. We actually, we've done a lot of reshoots too. Like we've really tried to nail our That's photography. That's what Taylor was saying. Taylor's like, we'll get two photographers and see which one, which one does the living room the best. Yeah. So we'll do a lot of reshoots just to like perfect those angles. And then Austin, who's, who owns revenue management, he is the one who studies like all of our competitors and, and what their listings look like and, and how we can stick out. So he determines what pictures we want to, you know, post as our first couple of five. And then we start to craft, craft the listing. And the, the, again, because we're a bigger company now, there's so many meticulous pieces on in our backend. Like we use a project management software and that gets funneled, right? It's not, and it's not all of us like calling each other to do these things. Like someone gets an email, yeah. it's right in your inbox, they take it on. And, um, and so basically after that checkpoint, we get the photos, we start to create the listing. We, um, we make sure that all of our permits and our regulations and all of our licensing is ready. And then, and then we post, we, you know, we, we set up our listing, it's live. And then from that point on our property management team needs to get trained on where everything is. Cause I think once you set up your listing and it goes live, there's usually a lot of questions about the property cause it's new. When people check in, there's no like historical data on where to find things. And so training those people within our property management team is key. Yeah. So, cause they've never been there. So there's a lot of like first, I'm sure like, and this always happens to me is like the first time you launch a property, like there's always like something that comes up because essentially I feel like the best way to test a new property would be like, go there with 20 of your friends and like have a party and like sleep in every room and like touch every switch and do everything. Cause like, you'll find a couple things that like, Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that like that was there or like, Oh, that's a weird it's kind of weird that like the water heater has a switch. It's like in the other room and you turn it and then you turn off the water heater. Like the stuff like that just like pop up every time you guys launch the property, like something random. Whereas like the only way to have known that that was a thing would be to literally, you know, stay there yourself for a week with 20, with 10, 10 family members. No, because of the checklist. And that's actually what we solved for. It's like every possible case scenario we test for before. Like we flip every switch. See what every switch does. Oh, like quite literally. And if the switch doesn't, yeah. if the switch doesn't have a purpose, we cover it. Because we're like, let's just not confuse people. You know, let's just give people what works. Yeah. And what's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a property. Yeah, this, there's like a switch for the dishwasher. And like people are always like, dishwasher is not working. And I'm like. Why is there a switch there? It's an arbitrage property for so for that one, like I'm not gonna like, I don't know, it's the owner's responsibility. But if that was one I owned, yeah, that would get switched out with a wall panel. Um, okay, so your launch, your launch smooth sailing. Do you think that yeah, normally like a few months go and before like, yeah, balls get start getting like a little worn out or like things kind of get, start getting some wear and tear? And uh, yeah, what's the process? So how do we optimize? I guess you have a revenue manager. How does he optimize for bookings and revenue beyond helping create a great listing? Uh, yeah, that's my first question. Like, what what are the ways to get booked and booked at premiums? Oh man, you would have to. You would definitely want to interview him because it's it is such an art. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have the whole team yeah. on here. <laughs> yeah, you you need a you should interview Austin. He's literally incredible. Like he's incredible. 
I can't, I, I don't even want to speak to it because it, it would, I would take it from him, but um, we, we have a whole team it's led by Austin and he, he, when I tell you he lives and breathes revenue, like that man lives and breathes revenue on a Friday night at 9 PM on a Saturday morning at 7 AM. Like he's constantly looking at trends, um, looking at pricing online, measuring, you know, different amenities and, and seasonality and holidays and, you know, ramp, ramp time frames for listing our property. So I can't go into, into too much. He would be better at speaking for it, but we definitely have a system there quite meticulous as what we do in operations that defines our pricing. Um, pricing is so important. It's so important. I can't undershoot like two people can have the same property. They can both use price labs. One person who like knows all the nitty gritty of looking at like pacing and seeing, all right, I need to like drop my prices these months in advance because the booking lead time, you know, just booking, look at, looks at booking lead time, looks at like historical, uh, you know, seasonality saying, you know, how does this season compare to last season? Uh, it looks better. All right. In that case needs to be more aggressive on prices. It looks worse. Like people who do that extra level of uh, diligence on pricing can like out earn the people who aren't doing that, you know, 20%. I don't know if you agree with that characterization, but pricing, like, I feel like used to be just price lab, set it, forget it. Now it's like, you have to like look at every specific season, every specific weekend and try to optimize. Totally. And there's so much involved there. So it's not, it's not as simple as people, it's not plug and play. I think to be the best, it's, it's never going to be plug and play, especially if you're working on houses where you don't have a ton of comps, right? Like if you're the best in your market or you're bringing a new amenity or you are, you know, you're, it's just, it's, there's different angles to it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I need to, yeah, I definitely, I put on, I just put down my note of uh, Austin. Austin, need to reach out to Austin because I would love to to hear. So you guys have things up, you're optimized on pricing. How do you maintain, you know, five-star reviews across, I can only imagine how difficult it is to re- maintain good good reviews across. I mean, it's hard enough across whatever the 25 listings I have. I can only imagine, you know, the 130 plus that you have on your account. Yeah, we have, um, so we have obviously like a lot of reporting, but we also have systems in place to track those things. Like we have a review tracker that anything that's less than or higher than we actually go in and we have, we collect data on it. Like, okay, on this property, we've had the same three complaints. So, you know, it's now time to like address that or figure out where it's coming from, or someone needs to go fly and check out the property and see if there's anything that we can do to make it better. Um, funny that I mentioned that because next week, we're all flying to the Poconos because we haven't we haven't checked our properties out in at least me right I haven't been since uh, the summer and so we're gonna go check it out and really look at reviews and then go in our properties and see how we feel about it. I think Airbnb. I think people forget that it's hospitality and at the end of the day, it's so service based and you should be checking and making sure that what you're listing is what it feels like. It's, it's an experience. It's more than just the real estate itself. And so outside, when we look at reviews on a weekly basis, we have a call just to go through it. Um, every review matters to us. Also the same thing with like supplies, things missing, um, lost and found, you know, things that should be replenished and replaced, like smells in the house. Also something that we meticulously track. Um, and I think, 
I think it's it's honestly an answer that no one likes to hear. It's like it's just keeping up with it, right? It's just having the system and the reminders and the people that have the best interest in your portfolio to keep up with the, with the task at hand. There's really no simple answer because unfortunately we're in the business of people, right? So like someone can come in and destroy your house. It just, it is what it is. So someone has to constantly be checking and, and making sure that there are eyes on the property, whether it's on the ground through reporting through one of us traveling, like at any given time. So I'm sure, you know, you says one person can come in and destroy your house. I'm sure you, you have, I mean, I have my stories. I'm sure you have, you have to have your stories. I guess, what are your, what is an Airbnb uh, horror story that you have? Oh, man. Um, we have a, I, I, like, what flavor do I want to pick from? Um, <laughs> it's a Tuesday. A, <laughs> a Tuesday. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we've, we've heard of parties and stuff like that. I feel like that, that's just boring once you get into, <laughs> once you get into yeah. the Airbnb. <laughs> Uh, we had a squirrel infestation that was fun. We didn't figure that out till later on. Um, so we found out that like there were all these mm -hmm. squirrels living in our roof and we had to we had to figure out like how to get them out of our property. So that was one thing. Um, we've had, you know, mm -hmm. neighbor complaints. And uh, I think probably the worst, actually, now that I'm thinking, is one of our propane tanks got it was empty. This was like one of our first properties ever, actually. Yeah. And apparently with propane, if you leave it empty, it starts to smell. And then you need to go and refill it. That's like to let you know that you need to go refill it. And so we had no idea. And we got neighbor complaints saying that um, people were feeling faint and they were going to die because of a gas smell. So I freaked out because that's like really serious if that's the case, even though like we knew we did everything right. So I was really puzzled. And I show up to the property and it was like a swarm of like 10 angry neighbors. And um, we called the propane company. They came over and the guy was like, this is natural gas. Like there's no way that any of you are going to feel faint or feel the way that you're feeling. And um, he ended up filling the tank and the smell went away. But that was just like, that was, a, that was a scary, like as an owner, that was a scary experience that really... I'm glad we learned in the beginning to check all of our utilities and make sure that everything is up to speed with where we want them to be. Cause I, that would just be terrible if that had gone the other way. Right. But that, that was, yeah, right. we've had, we've had a lot. Okay. So propane parties, uh, I guess any more else. recent ones or any, any, I guess ones that have, I know you're on, on the ball now, but, uh, not saying you weren't on the ball before, but you really got your, got your T's and uh, dotted I's crossed and whatnot. But any yeah, kind of like recent horror stories? Um, I uh, I can't think of anything right now, but th those two are definitely the, the most memorable. Gotcha. Guys, and you know, those are, I mean, again, you probably had I don't know, hundreds of thousands of guests at this point stay at the properties, thousands of stays. You know, if those are kind of some of the bad stories, think about it like is it that bad you know you hear stuff online that's i mean i've dealt with like honestly what i think is like kind of the worst uh knock on wood totally knock on wood i don't want to say that in the next thing but even in those situations like i mean i had like a really really big party that like people shot like bullets through the windows and like oh my god yeah and like 
jumped from like the rafters into like other uh guest arms like pretty much like project x stuff and um you know there was like it was during covid and it there was like a truck event like a like a monster truck event in town and like all the monster trucks or like the big massive trucks had like rolled up to the property and like done a bunch of donuts and stuff and beer cans were like a mile down the road like there was some crazy stuff uh covid was definitely like the craziest time because bars were closed so i think a lot of the party issues from from airbnbs and all those stories like during covid were definitely like reflective of that time period but even in that situation uh had like four handyman go over for like six hours well we had had to remove all the trash so we had like four people just like picking up beer cans and trash and all that stuff and then like four handyman who were just like chipping out whatever was you know fixing the window chipping out whatever was messed up and just putting in something new and it was like everything was back in shape four days later or something after the party so in real estate and stuff like in short-term rentals airbnbs like when there's issues they can be taken care of what sabrina's job is and what her team's job is is to make sure the issues don't happen from the start uh and that you know everything everything possible can be examined is that kind of the way you look at it is like we're just gonna be get in front of everything so that we don't have to play from behind quite literally like if i can i'm i'm we just play goalie like the entire time <laughs> trying to make sure that like nothing bad happens so i wish i had a more i wish i had be- a better story maybe austin or Seif will have better stories than i do at least from my most recent memory but yeah i mean it's something that we take pride in right like we shouldn't have those experiences especially being this big so definitely if i were to say anything from this business that I've learned. It's like, think twice because it's probably going to happen. And so prepare and put process in place so it doesn't. Like, I used to be like, oh, you know, I'll do it later. And now I'm like, if we don't do this now, it's probably going to happen like within a business day. Yeah. And then make sure things don't happen again. You know, things happen once. All right, whatever. But come up with a process so that doesn't happen the, the second time. So yeah, who does your guys? So you have the revenue manager, you have the teams creating the listings, you have the team setting up the properties. Who then, uh, who does your, who do you guys have messaging at this point? So we have a team, um, we have like our head of guest experience and she manages a, a team of people who are basically like our online support. And, uh, and then we have another section of property management and they are called like our controller team. And so they deal with all the, uh, like the inbound calls that we get from guests for things that need to happen on the ground. So like no toilet paper, dirty cleans or an extra clean or a door not working, something needing to be replaced, anything of that nature. I mean, 140 properties we're, I think on track this year, we'll probably do over like 80 to a hundred thousand guests in our homes collectively, um, today. It's just like a lot of volume. And so we need two teams and they essentially communicate with each other. So one handles all guest communications. Um, we're not really big on like crazy automated messaging. I, we, we actually like that someone is there to support. And so we basically have 24 hour support at any given time, seven days a week. Um, and, uh, and she, Brooke, she's fantastic. She manages our guest experience. And then we have Andrew and he manages like all the people on the ground. And to be honest with you, they are both 
just as busy and they manage two completely different sides of the of the property management arm and i we definitely need both like they crush it yeah absolutely i mean you need you need i'm sure you guys have so many vendors electricians plumbers handyman and um you know well those vendors oh they get sick or they're out of town or shit happens so I, I mean, that's the name of the game is boots on the ground. And then also conversely, high quality guest communication, you know, making sure that guests are responding too quickly that, yeah, they don't think they're talking to a robot. I totally agree with the not having it be too. I feel like people like trying to automate their messages so much and they're like, oh, Airbnb is like automated. Like I can, these messages, uh, you know, are responded to with AI or whatever, or here with all the canned messages. Like I, I don't, if I see like, so I use virtual assistants, which I'm sure you're, you know, the, the person in charge of your guest communication team has uh, resources around the clock, around the world. But like, if I see a message that I think is like AI, I'm like, I get pretty angry because you can kind of tell, you know, it's, it looks robotic. So you want personalized messages that sound like they're from a human being. I don't know. Do you agree with that? That you want Absolutely. people to think they're interfacing with a human being? Wouldn't you agree that like the ROI in Airbnbs and the details, like that's really like it, just take it to like super basic. Like it's in the messaging, it's in the cord cut, the cord hiders when you show up to a property and you're like, oh wow, they actually hid their, their TV cord. Like that's like a little touch, right? It's like nice to see that. I know that sounds like mm -hmm. so basic or like there's extra wine openers or like it's all about the details it's like the finishes the smells the quality of of the mattresses the easy check-in experiences the amenities actually working like it's all about the details that's that's my world it's making sure that all of those little things happen on the front end so that we don't you know it doesn't hurt later on on you know later on when when we're dealing with gas and the property's already live and and we're seeing issues on the back end. Looks like I got to hide more cords. I think that's something I got to write down. I like that's to Photoshop out the cords. <laughs> I like to Photoshop them out, but I don't actually hide them. Uh, <laughs> people, I get great reviews though. So it's, I'm not, if no one's like ever came at me for that, uh, and they're usually happy because we really do, you know, if there's an issue, like we go through heaven and hell and high water to alleviate that issue, you know? And they, I think that's really what they appreciate is like, if they point out an issue, like you're on it, you know, uh, for, for the most part, for the most part, some people are, aren't going to say a single thing and they're just going to complain about anything under the sun. But um, yeah, you're you're right on. So. All right. So now we've kind of gone through that life cycle, setting up the property, having it maintain five reviews. So then it continues to like do well over time. I'm curious. So this is kind of my personal curiosity, because I'm at a point with properties where, you know, if they've been up like two years, you start to kind of like definitely like the wear and tear on the furniture stuff like that starts to go up like how do you do you like start ordering new furniture after like a certain time period or how what's how do you do you guys have like warehouses with backups like what's the process for you know kind of like maintaining the homes or maintaining the furnishings you know over extended periods of time so each mar each major market that we're in we have um on the ground personnel and they're called market managers. And so what they do is they will go to each of our properties in those markets that we're like super high density in and they'll go check. It's like another thousand point checklist, but like for properties that are already live. So 
they'll literally go like sit on a couch and like see if like the little wooden feet on the couch are like loose. Um, the yeah. thing with our homes, I, I know that sounds crazy because it's like there's just so there's so many things that we have baked into our business, but um, with uh, with properties and replenishing items, it, you I think it's just a matter of sending someone there, having them test every little thing, and. We've had to replace some stuff for sure. Like we don't love mid-century modern furniture anymore because those wooden feet on everything just break. And the thing is with our properties, we allow pretty high occupancy. Like our properties hold anywhere between, I don't know, eight to 20 people. And so when you have churn like that all of the time, yeah, like if if a hundred thousand people are using your furniture across your portfolio a year, you're gonna you're gonna see that. And so we we send people out. Um, to check on stuff like every 30 days in between check-ins, every quarter, to be honest with you. And we will, if something feels weird, like, or not 100%, we'll fix it in hopes that it gains us some runway with that, whatever that is, or we'll replace it. And then we'll, we'll actually go back to our operations leg and we're, we, we say, hey, we're never buying that thing again. So actually our homes have gotten better over time purely because of that. Yeah. And your homes have definitely gotten better over time in terms of how they look because I've been you know I, I think I saw your face first pop up probably like three years ago or, or two and a half years ago whatever I saw your first list I'm like oh that's Sabrina like I know her like oh cool and then now I'm like you know I was actually I was I talked I was joking with Taylor about this but um I was doing like people you know kind of like a live training and showing how my properties were doing year over year and the place where I've definitely had the biggest drop off in my portfolio is like really the only place where you guys are also located, uh, being South Florida. Uh, I was looking at my South Florida property. And I was like, yeah, it just, it seems like, you know, this house was doing well and we set it up as probably one of the best properties in the area. But now there's like a lot of inventory that's came in. That's like really, really high, high quality, you know, uh, mini golf, mini putt putt, all the, all the games, stuff like that. And I, I just zoomed out and I saw one that looked good in the pictures and I clicked it and I was like, oh, that's Sabrina. I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess TechFester is here. That explains that. That explains, uh, thank, thank you for our, I think that property is like a 20% drop in revenue. So thank you. Thank you for that. But yeah, when, uh, when TechFester comes to your neighborhood, hide your kids, hide your wife, because they are knocking you out of the top 10%. You are going to... Uh, you're going to, I think Taylor's called it uh, uncle, uncle Bob's properties. But, uh, even if you think you have a nice property their their property is going to be an uncle Bob. Your property is going to be, be an uncle Bob property compared to one that they're going to, they're going to furnish and design. So I guess in a way, kudos to you also be, you know, keeps me, um, yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta be in small enough markets where you guys never would want to come, <laughs> you know? Uh, cause you guys, I mean, you guys try to do like in each market you do, you're, you're doing what, like 20, 30, 40, 50 properties at this point. Yeah. Something around like 20 to 40 kind of has been our medium to dense range. Yeah. So like you wouldn't, if, if there was a place where you're like, oh, we could set up five of these, but then we might, you know, run into some issues. It like, wouldn't be worth your while to do five of them. We, we try things. We have some markets where we're kind of, we have five of them. Like Memphis, actually, no, I think we have a little bit more than five. I think we have like eight homes there or something. But we we didn't in, intend on making it a huge market. Same for Panama City Beach. We don't have a lot of homes there. We have like five homes there, less than that. 
So we've tried. It's just whatever we're we're de- we're deal and data hungry. So it's wherever that makes sense. Got it. Got it. Okay. So all right for you guys listening, there's a reason, more reason to be scared. Uh, <laughs> small small markets. You won't. You're not protected in small markets. Uh, <laughs> anyways, all right. I'm I'm mostly just joking. But uh, yeah. Uh, now I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna uh, I won't be able to sleep at night now. Uh, <laughs> Okay, cool. So you set the properties up, you make sure, you know, you 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 play goalie. So you're not going to have issues. When you have issues, you deal with them. So I'm trying to kind of go through this whole life cycle here. Uh, and then I guess for you guys, and, and what your goal is, is eventually you sell the properties and you make a profit there. Uh, I'm just trying to go through this whole life cycle of operations on the call. So What's that look like? Or is that just like a later, we're going to, that's a later thing. We're not right now today. We're just focused on operating everything. Um, right now we're fo- fo- focusing, I can't talk on uh, operate, operational excellence. So like our CapEx costs, our OpEx costs, our, you know, what we spend in the little details on supplies and the refunds that we give to guests, like we're really focused on nailing that down, at least from my world. Um, but the business all has the same goals, right? Like everyone's trying to just double down on what we've done already and make sure it performs and really knock it out of the park. Um, and I think, I think that goes hand in hand with selling. So like, for example, something that we're working on is a internal report for all of our houses that, has every single appliance warranty information, like literally the most boring thing I could tell you on this podcast about like appliance information and how old our roof is. But if, and when we sell, like whenever that time is, it's important that we have all of this, right? Cause I mean, you know, this too, you're not selling your home to a family. Those days are done. You're selling your home to an institution, an investor, whatever that is. And so you're going to need all this information later on. All of the all of the details, all the boring stuff, all the things that people don't care about are really, really important when it comes to that time. Because obviously when you want to sell, it's during a good time. It makes sense for all parties and you you need to move quickly. So we're just do, we're doing what any business should be doing, focusing on the business and that time will, when it comes, it comes. Yeah, I'm actually in the process of selling, uh, selling the first property or selling the first property of which I'm like an investor. And uh, this is actually the only property of, of, that I've ever invested in where I like, I'm not the one leading the deal, but still it's like an interesting process selling. Like, I'm like, wow, selling like, but I've never been on this side before. Like, they, wow, this is, oh, they want an extension on diligence. Like, do I give it to them or do, well, do we give it to them? <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah. And like, they have questions you've got to answer about the property and yeah, the different, yeah, warranties and stuff like that. So I totally get what you're saying. Uh, and that's selling one property. If you guys are looking to sell 140 properties, I mean, that's going to be a process and a half. Uh, I could totally imagine. So kudos for gearing up for that. So yeah, we, we've kind of just went through the entire life cycle of what you guys are doing. I mean, did I, did I, did we miss anything? We've, I know we're 50 minutes in here. So, uh, <laughs> do we, is there any holes in, in this, uh, this, this story? There's so many details, um, but I think we covered a lot of the basics and I'm really happy that I was able to share all the things that we've done. Cause I, I don't, sometimes I don't, I don't think that what we do is super detailed. And then when I like regurgitate it, I'm like, oh my God, 
they do so many things, so many little things. Yeah, and I'm telling you guys, if you saw their their property or just saw the listing, saw those first five photos that Austin put up, you would you would understand the uh, attention to detail. That I think that I mean, when I again, every time I see your guys listings, I'm like, I got to level my stuff up. Like I'm not I have not been intentional enough about I mean, the new property I'm setting up right now, like I've definitely uh I mean, a play structure for example, I've never done a play structure, but I was like, oh, they did a play structure. There has to be some something behind that. But then I asked Taylor about it and he told me that if you just do the basic $900 play structure, that really doesn't do anything. You need to do like the $2,000 play structure with two slides. And I was like, damn it. I did the, <laughs> I did the basic play structure, but um, just the details. That's my point is just like the details, like the little intentionality uh, on everything is what really adds up. And I guess so in 2020, 2024, uh, in order to kill, I mean, you, you hear the chat online oh, it's harder, Airbnb is dying. Like, how are, like, what do you, like, are you optimistic about growing uh, into the future? And like, I guess what enable, what gives you that confidence? And I guess what, what are your, I mean, do you have a number on how many are going to do this year, next year, or anything like that? I think everyone's trying to figure that out with like capital raising and interest rates. There's a lot that we've learned, you know, just being in this business for a year that was considered to be like a super peak high year and then now entering some uncharted territory. But I think we're still pretty optimistic. I I think to be honest with you, we're optimistic because we have proven track record and we know that we deliver a really good product and and we've been delivering really great returns for our investors. So I think, you know, anyone in the space looking to diversify their portfolio and get in the space, like we're still here, we're still raising money, our funds still open um, for, for new investors. And I think you know, our goal is to have similar years. Last two years, we raised, you know, around 40-ish million, 30-ish million. So I'd love to do the same this year. But I understand that markets change and um, and that capital raising has its peaks and valleys. So I think that's the goal, but you never know what's going what's gonna to turn out. Got it. Okay. And then, yeah, what is your, so what is your, so beyond, so that capital raising standpoint is unique to your your business. Uh, cause you guys are a fund, but in terms of the opportunities to buy out there, like you're seeing them, like if I, if you were gonna get $40 million today, I, you could, or 40 more million, cause you've continuously got 40 million. You would like, how quickly do you think you could deploy that 40 million? We could, we could and, deploy and, it. And do you think the deals would be great? Like good deals? Yeah. And we still see good deals now. I think it's not as crazy as it was, you know, two years ago. But we, you know, we have internal conversations all the time, just purely about like bandwidth and like what we can support. Um, Because really what it comes down to is when you have capital like that come in, which we've had, you know, large chunks of capital like that come in, the first thing it impacts is operations, right? Who's doing it? How fast can we get a property up? How quickly can we get it to start producing revenue? How quickly can those investors get their distributions back? So that's like, that's that's what, at least what I look at when capital comes in. And so we're always sizing the business to how much we have, you know, how much capital we get at any given time. And to this, to this day, I feel confident that we can support it, but I also feel like there's still deals out there, at least that fit our fund model, right? Not for everyone. Got it. Okay. So I guess like, what is the point? I mean, this is kind of, I'm a curious thing. Like, what do you think some, what's too much money? You know, because I, I was talking to Taylor about how, like, you know, if you were a hedge fund and you were given $150 million to buy bonds, you know, you would have 
maybe like an analyst, you're giving an associate, an MD, and you know, you'd have an, you'd bring the deal to the investment committee and they would say, all right, this is fine. We'll buy these bonds. And then you talk to a broker and you buy it. Like that's the process to deploy $150 million if you're buying bonds in a hedge fund. However, for you to deploy $100 million, that's a, I don't even, that's a totally different, different ball game. And obviously a lot harder and a lot more impressive in my opinion. But yeah, what, like, is there a, a dollar amount where you're like, we could, we could efficiently deploy $75 million, but like a billion dollars is, you know, that's a lot. That's way too much. I guess, is do you have that amount or number in mind? I look at it from a property perspective. I'm like, okay, we, you know, at any given time, we can probably do like 40 or 50 properties, something around there. Like last month we were doing like 30 properties, something around there. Um, so I look so like at it how like- How many a- you can set up at a time? Correct. Because honestly, that's what it comes down. That's what it comes down to. It's what are you deploying? What are you buying? And how much can you set up in a responsible period of time? So I look at it from number of properties, not so much the number of uh, the quantity of money, just because, yeah, because the property prices change. I mean, we're never buying $2 million properties, right? So there is like a range that we buy in. But um yeah, I think we've never had any, we've never had check sizes that have hit like that past that like that range where we've been in that 30 property arena but i'd be scared past like 50 right because it just means like more training more hiring more visit it's just it just puts strain on the team but um yeah i don't think we're scared of capital it's just a matter of bandwidth that's all got it okay all right so 10 billion dollars y'all just as long 40 40 properties a month uh (laughs) Okay, cool. So what is like, maybe it's someone who's starting out, maybe someone who has a few properties and they want to grow their portfolio. What is the biggest pro tip you have uh, for short-term rental investors? Oh my God. I feel like that puts me on the spot. My biggest pro pro tip, um, I would say definitely study who's doing well in the market that you're in and why. And the days of boring properties are over. And if you're thinking of skipping out on certain amenities because you want to be in that like middle of the of the page kind of Airbnb listing, I think those are the people that are going to go in either direction in this new market that we're in. And so my pro tip is to really study why people do well in you know, save the money for really good amenities and like invest in the details. It'll just, it'll, you will thank yourself later by an X. That's my pro I agree. I agree. I think that's, that's a good one. And yeah, I'm in the, I told Taylor, I'm in the process of uh, trying to level up some of my, cause I, to be honest, you know, I think my listings, when I set each one up was like a 90th percentile property in that market at that time. But a lot of it was, you know, the white walls, very clean, very minimalist, you know, blues, grays, blacks. And now I'm like, you know, seeing y'all where it's like the pinks and the oranges and the purples and the so much color all over the place, so much wallpaper, so many murals. And I'm like, damn, like I'm, I'm like, all right, I got to. And like the backyards, you know, maybe two years ago, it was like, all right, a hot tub plus plus a fire pit checks the box but now it's like that's not enough (laughs) you've got to have hot tub fire pit big chest bowling cornhole 
string lights everywhere, not just string lights in one place. You have to have string lights around the entire backyard. So um, those details are things that I'm trying to, I mean, the new one I'm setting up, like I'm definitely applying there, but I'm trying to also like level up. I guess do you, and this, my last question here, I know we're in the hour point, but like, do you guys refresh listings after like a year or two or really just set it up at the beginning and ride? Our goal is to set up set it up in the beginning and ride. We've learned some 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 properties do better than others, like A B testing stuff. And then we're like, sure. damn it, we gotta go back and fix the other ones because we just know it's gonna perform better, like it's worth it. I will say on that note, it cracks me up that you said it that uh the design thing, because even now internally, like we're still figuring out the design. So like I'll look at a new color that'll come in. And I'm like, guys, this is just like obnoxiously bright. Like, I don't think we could go this direction. And then my team's like, well, you went that direction last time. Like with this color, like what makes them different? I'm like, I don't know. We're not ready to go. Like there's like, there's like levels to ridiculousness with properties. And we even like scare ourselves sometimes. We're like, oh my God, we're just going to, we're just going to launch it as is. And we're going to see if it does well. And usually it does like the more vibrant the more yeah. crazy you go, the yeah. more it, it stands out from the white walls yeah. uh, competition. Totally. But our internal team, they they like roll their eyes. They're like, we don't understand what bright means. Like we're confused. So we're still, well, we're still figuring it out. Well, awesome. Well, I'm excited to continue to yeah, every time now, whether it be uh, John or Taylor is like LinkedIn or uh, well, John on Instagram, Taylor on like LinkedIn or your link them. I stay in the loop of what the new listings are because then uh, another level of feeling insecure about not being bright enough, <laughs> not having my, my li- I'm totally, I'm, totally, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I have good listings. John or Bianchi tells me, he's like, I'm only friends with you because I respect your portfolio. He was like, I hate, you know, and I think Taylor, you know, you guys like love. And I think that's cool that you guys have built a team of people who like love what they're doing and are like super prideful about what you guys are doing and, and then really care about the details and the process and like really are like super passionate about hospitality and short-term rentals and providing a great experience because that's why you guys are succeeding and scaling when the suits are not, you know, like the institutions, I don't know if you saw the article about TPG, I referenced it with Taylor, but they came into South Florida and they left. You know, they tried to do short-term rentals, like inst- like buy 20, 30, 50 houses, and they they t- they dropped the ball at it. And it's because, you know, their team probably just, your team, it's really the team. I don't know if you agree with that or disagree. Uh, Hunter, I'll say it again. It's the team and it's in the details. This is not multifamily. Let's throw in a couple washer dryers and a subway backsplash and call it a day. Like, this is like, this is, it's a lot of work. That's why that I love- That sounds like, nice. That sounds very appealing at this point. <laughs> yeah. Remember the remember the deals where it was just like just upgrade a couple of appliances and slap on 70 bucks on rent? It's like this is not you're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah. This is like this is like you you do like you paint the wall the right color, you do a mural, and then you charge 70 more bucks a night, you know, multiplied by 365 days a year. You know, you make tens of thousands of dollars or more versus like a hundred dollars more, which is cool, which is why this game, you know you were able to quit your job and go full time and, and do this. And I was too. It's the cash flow. Uh, but all right. So folk who want to follow your journey, where can they find you? 
The easiest place to find me is on TikTok or LinkedIn, just under Sabrina Guler. And then obviously, if you guys want to check out TechVester and all the crazy things we're doing, I'm just starting to post a lot of my journey on on behind the scenes and what makes our properties awesome on LinkedIn. And then obviously, you can check us out at techvester.com. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, that's a wrap. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Short-Term Rental Pros podcast. Thanks for listening to the Short-Term Rental Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals.